The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. What's going on, everybody? Mike Jones, John Brown, we are back in the building. You're not giving it to all, Mike. Oh, man. You suck, Mike. Hey, if I deserve it, I deserve it. Boo. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear your maturity. <laughs> I don't, don't want to hear any of that. Boo. I'm still on that. I'm sorry. It's, I'm, I'm glad you did that, though. Okay. Because I do want to say this. Because mm. All-Star Weekend was this past weekend. Yes. And we're starting with All-Star Weekend. We're, we're going straight into it. But that boo... Yes. If anybody was with us last week, we know we're referencing the conversation we had about, about what things that were going on in Philly, Joel and B responding to criticism, being booed mm-hmm. and such. But th- that storyline continued at All Star Weekend. Okay. Charles Barkley at the beginning of the game mm-hmm. and they're noting the rosters mm-hmm. and Bede and Simmons were on opposite teams. And I think it was Ernie Johnson, but I'm not sure, mentioned that they'd be playing against each other. Mm-hmm. Barkley retorts, well, they they do that already. It's just like, or something to that effect, like it's just like what's going on in Philly with them working against each other. Mm-hmm. To your point you made last week, mm-hmm. that is excessive. Yeah. That is piling on. Mm-hmm. And if Embiid wants to give somebody a shut the f up to that, mm-hmm. absolutely. No, I mean, I'm I, with you on that. I, I, it's I understand, and, it, and everything about sports dialogue in this day and age is about being excessive. It's always excessive. Whether there's always a point. Of like who's got the hottest take, or yeah, and and it goes on both sides, you know. There's quickest comeback, yeah, and I feel like that. I mean, I don't. It's like if you criticize Charles Barkley or Shaquille O'Neal or Kenny Smith or wherever, there's always going to be those people that say, "Oh, you know, they don't know anything." And it's like, no, Charles Barkley. They know a lot of basketball. Yeah, they know a lot of basketball. Uh, Like, they know a lot. It's like uh, old preacher I used to know used to always tell me, you know, got to chew the meat and spit the bones. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do with Charles Barkley. There are times when I'm like, all right, he'll (laughs) say something, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm with you, bro. You know, Charles is on the money. And then other times, like, you know what, man? Charles, I think Charles is wrong. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, it, it. You don't have to agree with everybody on everything. But, but that's not the, co- the world we live in. No, oh, the world oh, we live course, in. Oh, no, you say no. one thing, you're canceled. You're yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Now, now we have to dig through your entire history of yeah. everything you said over the last twenty years. It's to like, see- look, uh, to to me, I, I feel like you know, I I respect, I respect the receipt. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and act like I didn't have a Charles Barkley poster in my room for years. Long after he was traded to Phoenix. That mm-hmm. Barkley Sixers poster stayed in my room pretty much until I went to college. 
and to be to be fair, this is not us bashing Barkley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What I said, to be clear, was the, the statement that mm. one statement. Yeah. It by itself it was piling on. Yeah. Was piling on. And I felt like, and to me, I felt like it it spoke to the criticism that he gave earlier in the season. The, the criticism that he gave. I'm not saying that the criticism was completely invalid, but I feel like also as we talk about being excessive, I feel like nowadays, you know, whether it be a writer, whether it be a commentator, a columnist or whatever, it's like their opinions make them part of the story mm-hmm. where it wasn't just, hey, this is my this is an opinion an opinion on a player. It's this person's opinion. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just, hey, let's, you know, we, we we're not we, talking X's and O's at this point. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we've gotten beyond the game. Yeah, we're gotten beyond the game. It's not just the X's and O's. It's who's talking about the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. And I felt like on a slow night, and and where this conversation started, I felt the criticism started where it was a slow night in the NBA. And a couple of commentators chose to make themselves a story by piling on to what was a valid cr- critique. You know, it's like, okay, I, I'm not arguing the basis mm. of their critique. The initial critique was va- was absolutely valid. Mm-hmm. But by the time they got to the second time and you start calling people the Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. of the NBA yeah, and other things. It's starting, it's starting to pile yeah. on. At, that's the second one. Yeah, at the second one, you're definitely piling on. And it's like, for for me, part of my problem, part, part of my issue with Barkley is what he, I understand, you know, he's now part of the media. But it's not like he had the greatest relationship with the media as a player. No, but he did actually, but he did always have a certain image, reputation that I think is being exaggerated for the sake of. He spoke his mind, didn't bite his tongue. Yeah. And and I think that is still who Barkley is. Yeah, I don't think he's flipped. But. But I think it's exaggerated for television. I think you know he. You know, you know how they say like at the beginning of a movie, this this story is based on true events, but it has been dramatized. Yeah. It, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting from Barkley on TV. Like I, I feel like it's still Barkley, but he's been dramatized for television. He he was <laughs> he was always an unrelenting person and an unwavering person mm-hmm. when he was a player. Outspoken, oh, outspoken, not, yeah. never fearful to say what he was thinking. Exactly, he was going to address and, it if it needed to be addressed. But, but honest, but sometimes that personality it led itself to to criticism that sometimes was unfair. Mm-hmm. And Barkley, being the person that spoke his mind, he would call out unfair criticism. Absolutely. And I feel like now that he is on, you know, now that he's on the other side of the microphone. Now that he's hung up his playing shoes and now he's got the TV shoes on, it's like this whole Embiid and Simmons thing, not Embiid and Simmons not liking each other. I, nobody knows where that got started. Nobody even knows if that's true. That's a narrative. If from everything, okay, let me rephrase, nothing, and I do mean nothing that I've heard, 
I don't, and I'm pretty sure nothing you've heard has indicated anything other than that these two guys actually like each other a lot. There, of course, have been, I don't want to say issues, but let's be fair. It hasn't always been the smoothest pairing on court. But we're talking about two young guys that are still both developing. And being a little older, a little more, should be a little further along in the process of developing. But it's still talking about two very young guys. Simmons is what pushing twenty? He's twenty two, pushing twenty three. Something 23, like, so, probably almost twenty four. Twenty three going on twenty four, I believe. I was thinking it was. A, I'm not sure if he's about to be twenty four yet. But in either case, he's around the twenty three range. Early, that's still early. Er, 20. Early twenties. He's far from his basketball prime. Be mid twenties, getting a little closer to his basketball prime, but not quite there yet. Room to grow for both of these guys. So to say they don't like each other, it can't work. All that, way too premature for all that. Way too early for all that. And twenty three years old, Ben Simmons. He'll be twenty four after the season. In the summer, in June, July twentieth, he'll be so the season will be over before he turns twenty four. Okay. But still, we're we're still talking six early twenties, yeah, yeah. a little over six months away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's halfway into, into being twenty three. Pu- public school math, <laughs> this, this kid's got a lot of growing still to do, and, mm-hmm. and so to say it can't work. No, nah. now there are absolutely times. Me as a basketball purist. Mm-hmm. And I, I can absolutely see why anyone like me would be frustrated with what seems like to anyone who played basketball beyond, I don't know, grade school mm-hmm. knows you have to shoot the jump shot at some point. If you watch Ben Simmons' tapes in high school, he shoots the jump shot. He shoots threes. Mm-hmm. If you watch him in shoot-arounds and warm-ups, he shoots and makes threes. Mm-hmm. When he shot threes at the beginning of the year, he was, what, 40% around there? And then it just stopped. It's not, That's why it's frustrating. See, I've gotten away from the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Don't, we, got, we, got, we, got we got time. Yeah, we got time. We'll get back so, to it. This is why it's frustrating to me watching these guys play. Because when Ben Simmons actually does shoot, he appears to be a capable shooter. Mm-hmm. Just like last last week when I was talking about Embiid, how I was saying, I've seen the effort. I know he's capable of giving that extra. And what happens when he does? Remember that first January he played and he came out extra energetic? It was yep. going hard. Mm-hmm. And the team won what? I don't remember. It was, they went on a nice good winning streak. They won, I don't remember the exact record. Uh, towards the end of t- t- uh, two seasons ago. Embiid's first year play. First, okay. Before Simmons was here. Was, okay. okay, yep, yep, yep. Like, MB played for about a month, and they went on a tear. Yeah. Yeah, you were thinking, all right, you, you were thinking, but that's what I, his turn. But yeah. that's what I mean, like, that energy and that effort you see from MB, where he's diving for every loose ball and running to the sidelines for saves, hopping over the bench, to all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean when I say the effort, because I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Just like I would say, like, Ben Simmons, I've seen you make jump shots. Shoot them. So, like, that's what's frustrating about it. It's not like I'm not asking for things I haven't seen these guys do. 
that would be something I'm like, that's an unfair expectation. Looking for guys to do something that that's never what they've shown themselves capable of do of doing. I'm asking guys to do things that I've seen them do. Just go out and do it. You you know you can do it. I know you can do it. The whole world knows you can do it. But because but at the same time, because I know they can do it, why the heck would I give up on it this early? Unless you're offering me something phenomenal. Why would I do it? Do you consider both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid superstars? They're superstar talents. Let me, explain, okay. let me explain what I mean by that. By superstar talent, what I mean is their God-given abilities would suggest that if they're able to reach peak potential, absolutely superstar talent. Both of them top five, top ten guys in the league easily if they if they max out every everything they're capable of doing but they have they're not there yet and that's okay. okay James Harden in OKC he wasn't James Harden he is in in Houston that's okay you know guys develop guys get better Tracy McGrady in Toronto was not Tracy McGrady that he was in Orlando or Houston. Mm. You know, he got better. When Tracy McGrady was in Toronto, there was a point where he barely got on the court and would often and he's admitted to feeling like he wasn't was unsure if he even belonged in the league at that point. Mm. By the time he's in Houston, he's one of the best players we're off especially offensively that we've ever seen. Like, wow, this guy is amazing. So, you can't write guys off this early. Okay. Well, here's here's, here's the thing about, about the two players that you named. James Harden, you're right. Not a, super, not, not a superstar yet in OKC. Mm-hmm. Went to Houston and pretty much became a superstar. Mm-hmm. But he left, via, he left via free agency. No, he was traded. Was he traded? Mm-hmm. Okay. They didn't want to pay him, so they traded. Okay, okay. All they right. didn't want to. Excuse me. They didn't want to pay the luxury tax. What about Tracy? So Tracy McGrady was a free agent, though, right? Tracy McGrady went to Orlando as a free agent. Free agent. agent. Okay. I guess. Well, he and Grant Hill. Grant Hill was injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both. They both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Orlando signed them both, and you know that was supposed to be their post Penny and Shaq. You know, yeah. that's who they were. Going, they were playing on building around. All right, so uh, take Harden out the situation because he was he was traded, mm-hmm. but. I've always believed you don't trade a superstar unless you get a superstar back. Trading a superstar doesn't but that make doesn't happen. I, I understand, and my my thing is it's like unless you're committing to a rebuild, unless the Sixers are saying, you know what, this ain't going to work. We need to start rebuilding. Like I don't believe that you could trade a Ben Sim, you could trade a Ben Simmons or a Joel Embiid and keep moving. They're they're well, trying to move forward. They to, have championship now, aspirations. Now that I would actually disagree with. Okay. Because you do actually have two superstar talents that you're capable of building around either one. Mm-hmm. 
You so you might not get a superstar back in return for one, mm-hmm. but you could get a complement of multiple assets that would fit well around the whichever one you decided to keep. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So it doesn't necessarily say you you t- send you back to zero. Like if I were to trade hypothetically, and I'm not, I'm, but just, just hypothetical. If I were to say. Ben Simmons got traded to New Orleans for Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday, which is a deal I think would be about fair. You brought, Sixers probably have to throw in somebody to make the money work. Mm-hmm. Now, if I have Embiid, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, that's a pretty good team. I don't necessarily know that I took a step back. I don't have Embiid, su- not excuse me. I don't have Simmons as superstar talent, mm-hmm. but I'm spaced better. I can still score. I can still run my offense at a high level. I could do everything I need to do, so I don't. So that doesn't send me back to square square one. Like we're starting over. We're still a very competitive team that in the East can think about getting getting out of the East. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, it depends on how you do it and what you're able to pull off. You didn't necessarily get a superstar back, mm-hmm. but you got pieces that might fit. Now, if you were in a situation where the Sixers were when they traded Barkley away, where you have one superstar, you trade him away, you're done. You're starting over. But when you have two, you can still build around the other one. So that's a little bit different scenario. So let me, so, and once again, we're talking hypothetical. Sixes are expected, right or wrong, fair or foul, whatever, are expected to compete for the East, Eastern Conference crown. They should be expected to compete for yeah, the that's East. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's you, fair. Okay. You take Simmons off this team, you put Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram. Do you do you have those same expectations? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. W- would you? Eastern Conference as is right now. Simply take away Ben Simmons, add Drew Holiday, and Brandon Ingram. You still have Horford. Mm-hmm. You still have Tobias. You, you still have Thibault, Korkmaz. You got all these other people. This is a good. This is a very good team. Mm-hmm. I'll have that answer by the end. You still have. You still have uh, Richardson. Mm-hmm. You know you're not talent deficient. If you if you're Philadelphia at that point, mm-hmm. what team in the East would you say is flat out better than you? Flat out better. I mean, probably the same as before. You're still saying Milwaukee. They're flat out better. You think so? As, they have the best player in Giannis, mm-hmm. but as a team, are they really flat out better? Right now, I think they are. No, I'm t- not talking about right now. I'm talking about the team that you would put on that. F- I don't. I don't. I'm not sure if I am not sure if I would say a Sixers team with with uh, Drew and Ingram mm-hmm. instead of Simmons makes them better than Milwaukee. I'm not saying or any or any more better than Milwaukee than they are now. I'm not saying it makes them like better than Milwaukee. I'm asking, do you can, can you say that Milwaukee is just hands down better than that team? Can you just flat out say Milwaukee's better? Yeah, I, I think Milwaukee's better. Okay, well, that's okay. your opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can say that. Okay, because the honestly, the way Milwaukee's constructed, it's a Gian, it's Giannis, Giannis and four guys and, and four guys. Okay. Middleton is much improved, but 
he's not a guy that creates his own shot at a very high level, mm-hmm. which means you're still dependent on Giannis to do pretty much everything as far as creating and facilitating for your offense. That can be schemed for in the playoffs. It absolutely can be schemed for in the playoffs. Do you think uh, you still see Milwaukee going to the Eastern Conference Finals at least? So, mm-hmm. okay, absolutely. I'm not saying they're bad team. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. No, he's just saying that they're not. They're they're not. You don't believe that they're hands down better than the rest of the conference, right? Okay, as Fair a enough. team. Fair enough. They have the best player in the conference, huh? but having the best player doesn't mean you're the best team. Mm-hmm. LeBron has been the best player for years, and there have been several times throughout his career he was not on the best team. His pretty much his whole stretch, his first stretch through Cleveland, mm-hmm. he was not on the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. Last he year, on the best team in his conference, yeah, probably wasn't even on the best team in his division. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Last year in L.A., he was not the on the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. This team, those D Rose uh, Bulls teams were better than. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of those Celtics teams with the their, with the K- their big three, with their KG, big Pierce, and Ray Allen, yeah, th- those these teams were better. So you see, so you see where I'm saying, like, yeah, no, Giannis is absolutely the best player, and I know a lot of people look at the best basketball, oh, the best player wins. Nah, that's not how it no. works. Oh no, no, no. Best team wins. It's a team game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like I think people people started to believe that. After really, Michael Jordan. After Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And they don't real. It, it's like, that's kind of the romanticizing of history. Mm-hmm. Where people talk about those six rings like like Mike won those in his rookie year. All right. Now, see, I'm glad you said that. Now, we're way off track now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to go with it. Mm-hmm. Because what what younger basketball fans need to realize is Michael Jordan actually genuinely changed the way people think about basketball, the five-on-five five basketball in its entirely, entirety. Because when Michael Jordan, before he won a championship, the question was, I don't know if he can ever win because a scoring champion doesn't win championships. Michael Jordan changed the narrative to the point where people almost expect the, the scoring, scoring champion, champion to yep. win a championship because they met, oh he's the best player. Michael Jordan was so good, he defied the traditional basketball logic. Traditional basketball logic says we're more dangerous as a five-man unit where everybody's a threat than we are with one guy dominating the ball. Like the first Golden State team before KD got there, where every where the ball just whipped around and they were deep and everybody was a threat. Mm-hmm. Before they spent all that money on KD and thinned out their roster, when they ran, really had two starting fives, that's old school basketball mentality. Yeah, you have a couple players who might be a little bit better, and a couple players who aren't quite as good, mm-hmm. but everybody's a pro and everybody's a threat. And we're going to go out here and play good team basketball. We'll just beat you doing that. That works. It still works. Golden State proved that it still works. So the idea that most of us look like, oh, this guy's scoring 35 a game. He's nice. That means they can win. Nah. That's actually not how basketball tends to work. It favors the team game. Michael Jordan could lead the league in scoring and still win because he shot better than 50% from the field, period. 
for his whole career, minus the Wizards years. I have to throw that caveat in there. <laughs> minus the Wizards years, as a guard who shot a lot of jump shots, Mike was above 50% from the field. When you make half, when you make, if I shoot it, and the odds are that it's going in, then yeah, you can lead the sco- league in scoring. See, that's not shooting for- 43, 44%, 47, 48%. Yeah, he's good. It's better than a coin toss. It's going in. It's better than 50 50. It's going in when I let it go. You're supposed to shoot. You're supposed to lead the league in scoring then because people don't do that. Big forwards and centers do that because they play in the paint a lot. Mm-hmm. Guards don't, don't do that. Don't. Not the guards that take volume shots. If you're a spot-up guy like a Steve Kerr, you might shoot 50% because you're shooting all catch-and-shoot spot-up Jays when you're open. If you're a guy who actually is a playmaker and has def- defenders on you, that, yeah, you're not shooting 50% from the field. That doesn't doesn't happen. Very few guys do that. How great was Kobe? Very good. One of the greatest. Look up his career stats and see how many years he actually shot above 50% from the field. I guarantee you it wasn't that many. I'm, it's just not how it worked. Mm-hmm. Like, think of m- many of the all-time great guards. It, as a, and, I, and I say that caveat as a guard specifically because of where you're playing on the perimeter and the de- defense that you're getting. Guards don't just rare that it happens. Guards shoot fifty percent or better. Mike did it. Or right, what was the question? How many times did Kobe shoot over fifty percent uh-huh. in his career? Kobe never shot over fifty percent in his career for field goal percentage. Field goal percentage, yes. Never, never. Mike shot fifty percent for his career. Best minus the Wizards years when he was thirty-eight plus. Couple, couple, uh, couple seasons forty-six percent. Mm-hmm. One season forty-seven percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, consistently, well, last two seasons, he was in his 30s. Okay. High 30s. But field I'm goal at, percentage. Field goal percentage, yes. High 30s. High 30s. Uh, last se- His last season in the year, thought he shot 36%. His season before that, he shot 37%. But we're talking 40s. <laughs> all, over the for- all over the 40s. Mm-hmm. All in the 40s, 40s, except the last couple except years. Except for the last two years. All right. Now. A right. couple high 40s, couple low 40s, couple mid 40s, but we're talking for pretty much 40%. In- okay. Now, Michael Jordan played 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 seasons. Mm-hmm. Of those 14 seasons, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 of them were above 50 Fifty percent, and I'm not talking fifty points. Fifty-three point five percent, fifty-three point eight percent, fifty-two point six percent, fifty-three point nine percent, fifty-one point nine percent. The years that were under, where he was at forty-eight point two. Um, I'm sorry, I excluded his rookie year, where he shot fifty-one point five percent as a rookie. A rookie guard. A rookie guard. Now, now the years he's under his second year, he shot forty five percent. That was his actually his career low. Forty. How many years? How many years did Kobe have above forty five? Okay, above forty five. Let's see: one, two, three, four, five, 
6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 seasons above 45%. Okay. See, that's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But that was Mike's career low. Mm-hmm. His next – His career low. All right. Basically, no, no. Kobe Bryant is a career 45% shooter. Mm-hmm. Mike's second year, he shot 45%. And his last year, he shot 46.5%. Last year with the Bulls or last year? No, it, his last year. His last, last, his last year. year with the Bulls. Okay. I'm excluding the Wizards years. Okay. The Wizards years, he shot – He was a different player, different situation. Okay. Mike is a career – Forty-nine point seven percent shooter, mm-hmm. including the Wizards years. That in- so the Wizards is what brought him under fifty percent. If it wasn't mm-hmm. for the Wizards, he'd be above fifty percent. Because in the Wizards years, he shot forty-one point six and forty-four point five percent. A clear drop so, off. Wait, say that years. again. In two thousand one, two thousand two, he shot forty-one point six percent. Forty-one point six, so forty-two percent. We'll round up forty-two percent. And. In 2002-2003, he shot 44.5%. Okay. Okay. So, his first 13 seasons, he shot 50.5%. The last two seasons, he shot shot 43. So, the bottom line is Michael Jordan was a beast. So, that's why Michael was able to lead the league in scoring Mm -hmm. and still win. Mm Mm-hmm. He's a like when God, when we talk about he's a different type of guy, he was a different type of guy. What year was what year was that that Kobe hit the eighty one? Do you remember offhand? Oh, uh, two thousand eight, maybe. Okay, he, Kobe shot two thousand two thousand seven two thousand eight. Shot forty six percent. Let me tell you. I'll tell you exactly in one second. It was January twenty second of two thousand and six. Oh, two thousand six. Okay, Kobe was averaging thirty five, thirty five points a game, and he shot forty five percent that year. Forty five percent. Forty five percent. That's forty five percent the year he uh he hit for the eighty one. <laughs> okay. And he was averaging how much a game? Uh thirty five points a game. Okay. Mike no see Mike averaged a lot of points like a couple years. Mm-hmm. Couple. Let's see. What year did Mike score? Eighty seven maybe? He averaged, I'm looking at it, 37. Yep. 86, 87. Mike averaged 37. 87, 88. Mike averaged 35. In those seasons, 86, 87, Mike shot 48.2%. 87, 88, he shot 53.5%. Kobe shot. Kobe scored thirty five points. His two, the two seasons where he scored more than thirty points a game. We're talking oh five oh six and oh six oh seven. Those were the, those were his only two seasons above thirty. Only two seasons above thirty. Mike's career average is thirty point one. Well, Kobe, well, you, well, you know, Kobe averaged what? Uh, his first year in the league, mm-hmm. you know, he only scored eight points a game. 
Okay. I was eight. His last season, he scored. He was scoring seventeen points a game, and in two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. Oh, he only played. Let's see, he only played six games that season. Scored fourteen points a game. So a couple, you know, a couple years, you know, he mm-hmm. took off of his average. He was he 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 was he averaged twenty five points even a game for his career. Okay, with the Bulls, Mike averaged twenty eight. Then there was a second year where he shot a career worst forty five percent. His worst, so his worst and he also year. had his career career worst in scoring and at twenty two. Well, that was the year he got hurt. When he didn't he get hurt in his, his second year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I was leaving that part of it out. I, I wasn't going to talk about the fact that he actually only played 18 games that year. Mm-hmm. Start Only started seven. So his stats were clearly going to be off. He never even yeah. had a chance to get in a rhythm that season. or mm-hmm. He probably would have brought those numbers way up. Mm-hmm. I was leaving that out of it. And I was just talking about it was a career worst numbers. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you have to do to get bad numbers from Mike yeah. before he's 38 years old. Mm-hmm. See, you made my point even I, more. I, I, look, I told you when we were now. I'm this teaching show. lessons to the youth. That's what we're doing now. We're educating the youth. Are you guys listening? Are you Professor Jonesy is in in the building right now? He's at the blackboard or the the dry erase board, whatever you kids write on these days. <laughs> the little tablet, the little tablet things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. But anyway, so anyway. We're in Chicago this weekend for the All-Star okay. Game. Well, how about gonna, this? Let's, let's take a break. Let's take a quick break because we're at 33 minutes already. Oh, let's take a break. Take, take care we'll, of some business. Okay. We'll be right back. Actually talk about the All-Star we, we, Game. We might actually talk about the All-Star Game, which is what we planned on doing. All right, we'll be right back on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. And Bush was like, come on, come with me. Everywhere I went with Bushwick, he showed me a lot about the game, the moves I was supposed to do. And I, I just listened to my big brother and I salute. I salute your eye. I salute the father, you know. James Lewis. Exude knowledge and experience and and they're not looking for a student or a pupil but just want to each one reach one teach one i'm just a proud individual to to know within myself that the man absorbed the knowledge run with the wisdom and i live good right now you are listening to the lance j radio network to buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, everybody, we are back. Took a couple deep breaths, a couple woosahs. What do you need a woosah for, man? I mean, like... Talking about Mike, I, st- I get excited every time. 
No, I understand. You, you, you were there with me to watch it live. Not literally, but figuratively. You were yeah. there in the time yeah. to watch it yeah. as it happened. Oh, you, yeah. you truly could appreciate what he did to the rest of like mm-hmm. he comp- guys in the league now might think LeBron is the best player or so and so is the mm-hmm. best player. Mm-hmm. Guys in the league then were scared. Like like they really like and I'm not I don't mean fans, I mean other players mm-hmm. treated Mike with like almost a reverence. I like like you can find them in interviews, mm-hmm. but I loved hearing Iverson talk about the first time he played Jordan when he was like, or Kobe talk about the first time. But see, but see, but those guys, I almost get it because they were so young, so much younger than Mike mm-hmm. that they spent a good point. Like Kobe and AI, AI was what two years ahead of of me. Kobe was actually in my class, mm-hmm. so. Them like me spent a good part of our lives watching Mike yeah, play as a yeah, pro. Yeah, a- AI I mean, as a year is almost a, a year exactly older than me. AI so was class of class. ninety. AI was class of ninety four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was class Co- of ninety four. Kobe was class of ninety six. Mm-hmm. So, but Mike was drafted in eighty six. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, eighty four. Yeah. Well, I don't know where I got eighty six. Mike was drafted in eighty four. Mm-hmm. So these guys spent. A good number of years watching Mike before they think about a guy like Steve Smith, Atlanta Hawks, mm-hmm. baller, six eight two guard, wet J. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that guy. You left him home alone. He was going to stroke. It. Oh yeah, was, you know, like yeah, he, was he, he was a baller. Yeah, he was nice. Then he t- he tells a story. I mean, this was one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Comes out at the beginning of the game. Mike gets the ball. I forget the move, but he, Mike scores on him. Mm-hmm. 38. That's what Mike says after he gets the bucket. Play or two later, Mike gets the ball, scores again. 36. Come back down, gets the ball, mm-hmm. score and one. 34, 33, he's counting backwards from 40 on the guy. This is an all-star. Mm-hmm. And he's counting backwards from 40 on him. Like, like yeah, I'm just going to do that to you tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to get 40, and I'm going to tell you about it. And Steve Smith said by the time he realized what was going on, he almost, it was almost like he was helpless. Mike's going to play the Wa- the Washington Wizards one time. Mm-hmm. They're actually I'm, they may have still been the Bullets at this point. Okay, they're all on the team bus. The games in Chicago. Mike pulls up. It, it only Mike style. Mm-hmm. It is I believe it was the Lamborghini. Uh, yeah, or Lamborghini or Ferrari. Ferrari yeah, one of them. Yeah. The red. The red one. Mm-hmm. Cigar in hand, smoking. This is pregame, smoking a cigar. Mm-hmm. Pulls up to the other team's bus. Which one of y'all MFers is guarding me? The, the the Bullets teammates are are so like half in awe, half intimidated by Mike. They sell out their teammates. Start pointing at Calvert Cheney. Him, him, like him. 
Mike, like you almost like you almost want to see Mike roast. You're like, yeah. I like I got the best seat in the and house. Mike's just like, Mike and Mike's just like Mike just like fifty. It drives off. Like, this is what, when your contemporaries, the guys who are supposed to be competing against you, mm-hmm. you he defeated them before before mm-hmm. they even stepped on the court. He was so good. Mm-hmm. That being said, there was an all-star game this weekend in his building. Yes. In, his, in, in Chicago, in his in, town, yes. in Mike's town. Yeah, it's still Mike's town. It'll always be Mike's town. That's Mike's town. Yeah. They had the all-star game this year. Mm-hmm. And... We should have went. It's cold there this time of year. You uh-huh. you can go. Okay. Send me pictures. But, Still should have went. I would have got you a hat or something. That's cool. <laughs> Mail it to me when you when I get back. All right. But yeah, no, like I will say this about the All Star game this weekend. Though actually, I'll say this about the whole weekend, with the except oh, Friday night. Mm, it's whatever. Mm. It it it's fun. It's for the kids. Yeah. Well, I what, mean, the celebrity game? The, yeah, the celebrity game and stuff. And the, rising, and the, the, ri- the Rising Stars used to be a good game. Mm-hmm. It's capable of being a good game. But you got guys that just want to take threes from next week. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it turns into a lot of like. Yeah, it turns into a, a sloppy pickup game yeah, with really it's, talented it's, players. It's like it, it's all star light, where the things that you like, the things that you will accept about the all star game because you're dealing with the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. It's different. You're now trying to accept it from rookies and sophomores. Yeah, it doesn't work the same with no. rookies and sophomores. Agreed. Do you like the uh, the format? With USA versus the world, or did you like it when it was just rookies versus sophomores? See, the problem with rookies versus sophomores is that unless you get a rookie class like you had in 2004, or, you know, it's rare that the rookie class would be able, like, if if you're not a basketball historian, the 2004 rookie class was LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony, Bosch. Chris Bosh, CP3. Like, it was a loaded class. They can compete with the sophomores. Most rookie classes can't. You might have one or two guys who were built to play. But as, as a whole, that extra year of coaching, doing it for 40 hours a week instead of 15 hours a week, it's your job now. That first year of development makes a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. So most years, rookies versus sophomores was going to be a blowout in sophomores' favor if they ever actually took it seriously. Like, okay, yeah, we'll goof around. Oh, y'all think you're going to win? Nope. Let's get serious now and mm-hmm. sophomores win. So USA versus the world gives you a little bit better potential for a competitive game. Mm-hmm. But you still, you still need guys to take it seriously yeah. because these guys aren't developed enough to – to goof off and still give you a high quality product. Okay. So Friday night for me is just I'm not opposed to it, but it's a take it or leave it type yeah, thing. It's not, it's not must see TV. You're not pressed to come on Friday night and watch that. That being said, mm-hmm. Saturday night this year was back to must see TV. Okay. Now that was absolute. The three point contest I've always been a fan of. Mm-hmm. 
I I like shooting. I like I like to shoot. Yeah. I like to watch people. I like to watch good shooters mm-hmm. shoot. Yeah, I so mean, no, I, 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 you know, hands down, far and away, NBA has the best All Star weekend out of all the major sports. Yeah, they have the best All Star event. You know, it's it from from top to bottom. When it's like where the worst thing about NBA All Star weekend mm-hmm. is the fact that you can be hot or cold on Friday night. But Friday, yeah, I, but Friday night, you figure a lot of people are looking to party, yeah, and have fun. But, but what I'm act, saying, because you know, All Star Weekend is also an event; and it's yeah, a party. But when, I, when so, I'm, you know, I'm you got a little celebrity game and yeah, some fun pickup ball, and then we go, and then we go. The, have that's the worst part yeah, of the I, weekend. Oh, I'm with you. That's the yeah, low light. Is yeah, that? Yeah, is that where it's still, you know. There's still people who will find. There's still some, some entertainment yeah, value to it. There's still some entertainment, and value. you're not coming in with high expectations of the NBA Finals. You're Where, coming you in. Know, a, you're coming in expecting a couple laughs. Yeah, and maybe can, a couple good play. But you compare that to like NFL Pro Bowl weekend, where you're not watching any of it. <laughs> Oh man, there's, I'm there's pretty no, sure one year the NFL was dropping footballs from drones to see who could catch it, and and honestly, see if they could come. And, and, what Kemet they could and, come and up the fact, with. And, and the fact that you're saying this, and that there are people who will probably say, you know, I don't know if that's true or not because they didn't watch. Oh no, it's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's true. Okay, they were t- they were taking drones up with footballs. I, I can't and dropping you. them. And, it, and the high, the winner was the person who could catch it from I, the highest drone. I, like I, this is what we're doing at the NFL. I like, can't dispute this because I didn't watch. You know, <laughs> I wasn't watching. I I believe. Like I, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to tell you you're lying. It, it, it could happen, but it's like, like, you know. But like the three point contest this year, like there was actually a little drama to this thing. Mm-hmm. Like. You got some great performances in the first round. You see Buddy Hill, mm-hmm. Devin Booker. These- and it's like the the players take it seriously and there's and every now and then, every couple of years there's there there are good storylines going mm-hmm. into the three point contest. You remember a couple of years ago when uh well it's not even a couple of years, a couple of decades ago now. But remember Craig Hodges from the Bulls used mm-hmm. to win it every year. Went for the three peat, I believe. Mm-hmm. But the third year he went for it, he wasn't on a team. Mm-hmm. And people were like, "Should he be able to come back and play, even though he was he, he's not on the roster? He's not on the roster, so he's still part of the players' association." Mm-hmm. So, but let the, him play. But the thing about it was, one of the biggest uh, opponents of that was Mark Price, mm-hmm. who's trying to win. Who is trying to win, and who wins that year? Mark Price. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's kind of you know that that's the type of storyline where it's like, okay, you know. A little extra incentive mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah. It's, you know, Kobe winning it as a rookie. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, J.R. Ryder. You know, these are things that you, you remember. Like, exactly. I can tell you, you know, Harold Miner. Now, you know, D. Brown. Now, I'll you know. say, now the dunk contest this year, you had zero superstar players, mm-hmm. but you had some phenomenal athletes. And. As a whole, it was one of the most entertaining shows. Definitely, as a whole, the most entertaining show I've seen since the Vince Carter dunk contest. Okay, at bare minimum, the most. Inte- Derek Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon put on a sh- 
show. Now, there of course, now the fact that there's actually discussion about the dunk contest for days after it ended mm-hmm. lets you know that the dunk contest is back now. People are actually interested in this thing again because mm-hmm. it used to be eh, this sucks. Yeah, it fell, it, it fell um, off. Yeah, it, it fell off it was, a couple. A couple there was of a couple years. years where there were a couple of down down years. I don't think, regardless of the narrative, oh he was robbed, he was wasn't robbed. This mm-hmm. guy. He made it all his first attempts. He uh, he had to do a couple, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. You were entertained by the show. Yeah. When someone can throw the ball off the side of the glass, I catch it one-handed, cuffed, mm-hmm. coming up the baseline, mm-hmm. and three sixty it. I I like I never put two hands on the ball to catch it or control it. Mm-hmm. He throws it off the side of the backboard, and I can catch it with the one hand and three sixty yeah. on the baseline dunk. Yeah. That, I'm I'm entertained. Mm-hmm. I was right up there. Remember, uh, it's a dollars dunk mm-hmm. from behind the backboard, off the glass. Oh yeah, off I the remember glass behind the backboard. Yep. Mm-hmm. That that but an Iguodala, I think, should have done, should have placed higher in that dunk contest that he did. Mm-hmm. He you put on a pretty he, good show. You think he was robbed? That was, that was the year he lost to Nate Robinson. Mm-hmm. They were all congratulating Iguodala mm-hmm. after the dunk contest. And then realize he lost. Mm-hmm. I rem- th- things I remember. Things I, re- I remember. Kobe walking onto the court to give him some dap. Like, yeah, you did that. You did. Wait, what? He lost. What? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- th- those are the things I remember. So I mean, these things happen. So, but the one thing I would say with Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. is that possibly, like, I think he overall, if we're just looking at which dunks you made, mm-hmm. he had the better overall performance. Derek Jones Jr. didn't miss his dunks. Gordon a couple times would try things that were mm-hmm. quite impressive, but he didn't always get it to go the first time. Mm-hmm. Get it to go the second time, and it's still impressive. But there's that, and I think he could have sequenced his dunks a little better. For example, the dunk I just described, where he threw it off the side and three the three sixty mm-hmm. with the one like that shouldn't be your opening dunk. That's something you say for the later rounds where it's like that's it's a clear cut fifty. Wow. Mm-hmm. But you start the night with that. And then later on you get into the later rounds, you're you're still trying to come up with your like, oh what do I have left? Because mm-hmm. you pulled out your best stuff at the beginning. You know, so like for that, I think Aaron Gordon may have hurt himself with his dunk sequencing. But overall, if we're just looking at the dunks he made, he probably had the better show. Mm. So there are arguments that could go either way. That adds to the fun. Hey, it was a good night. I mean, it, it was, was but it was night. an entertaining show. It was a good night, and people were talking about it. just the fact right now. You know, we here we are in in a show, and we have yet to actually talk about the All Star Game. We're talking about All Star Saturday Night. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the three point contest. We're talking about the dunk contest. I like this. You know, I'm a fan of the skills contest. I thought that was a good ad. The skills competition. It was actually, <laughs> I it, it was interesting to see who Bam at a bio mm-hmm. won that. Who is. He's not a guard. He's a bigger guy. So to see him winning a skills competition, and 
and he performed well. Like specifically, you know, a couple mishandles. Not not everybody's making the first pull up J every time, but the passing, like those precision through the tire passes. It, it, the accuracy he showed on those was impressive to me, because n- not every big is that skilled a passer. So, like you see, you saw skills on the like high level skills, like why these guys are pros on display all weekend long. And then you got to the actual game on Sunday, and they did a couple things different this year. Rather than having a four quarter game. They had four one-quarter games. So you play first quarter. You win the first quarter. That team's charity gets Mm $100,000. Score goes back to 0-0. You get to the final quarter. Now we're looking at an aggregate score. And then it's pretty much a kind of a race to 24, Mm -hmm. which gives you a target score of, like, for this year, it worked out to be a target score of 157 total points between all four quarters. Mm -hmm. But you're playing to that target score of 24 in honor of Kobe Bryant. And with that, with the charity element, like, there's a prize to win. The kids for the charity that you're playing for are sitting right there front court. So if you're dogging it, they're looking at you like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not even going to try? So, so like, there was some actual competition. The team captains, LeBron and Giannis, came out playing hard and setting a tone. Like, there was intensity. It, it was really a good game. Mm-hmm. I've heard people mention what was it, like a 2001 All-Star game that mm-hmm. was really good. Or you'll remember some of those games, late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. where guys just didn't like each other. Mm-hmm. And they were just going to go out there because that was before everybody were friends. Like, oh, we're on the court. And you think you're better than me? Yeah. yeah, I'm coming at you. Yeah, You know, like like during the rise of Michael Jordan, not, not mm-hmm. you know, because I feel – once again, in the romanticizing of history, you know, we, it's not only do sometimes people act like the NBA started with Michael Jordan. Oh, no. I mean, we it know was a that. Good, it was a good yeah, league. Oh, yeah. But as you were transitioning from the you bird know, magic, the, the bird magic and doc, the you know, doc. You got the bad boy Pistons in there for yeah. a couple year run before you transition into you know the Barkley you know, Ewing until it was before yeah. it was Mike's league. Yeah, it was somebody else's league it before some, it yeah. was Mike's. There league. was somebody else's league, and they weren't really they weren't trying to give it up. No. So when you see this, you know this guy with his own sneakers, you know baggy shorts, you know, the baggy wearing shorts. the chains, yeah, and yeah. chewing his gum, mm-hmm. and tongue out, you know mm-hmm. what, you know, and hit. Flashy dunks, embarrassing people, getting all these commercials. Exactly, exactly. Mike came into the league, everyone was still wearing Converse. 
You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and they're pretty much wearing the same converse, just different colors. Because he had this because Magic had the the yellow and per- gold, the mm-hmm. purple and gold ones, and mm-hmm. Bird had Bird the green and white ones. Yeah, no, Bird had the black. Remember, he used to wear the black and white converse, and then Doc used to have the red, and, the white ones with the mm-hmm. red. Yeah, but bottom line was everyone was wearing the same converse sneakers, just different colors. This guy comes out with a company that nobody even. What are Nikes? Mm-hmm. Who are Nikes? This guy has a shoe with his name on it, Air Jordan. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you had heard of Nike, but they, but they weren't, weren't the powerhouse. They weren't yeah. Nike. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't you the know, kings yet. Adidas was still a factor in sneakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then. Puma was a factor in sneakers. Mm-hmm. Then. New but Balance was a factor New in Balance, sneakers. Oh, yeah. Then. Back then, Ruse was a, a factor. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like. But but I'm I don't just mean for like fashion sense like yeah. I, I can rock these with my jeans I mean yeah. like actual athletic wear like yeah, yeah but the bottom line was there were storylines Converse to, was the yeah. basketball shit yeah but the bottom line there were storylines to the to to the All Star game that you could that you could go you could go to and then you know people brought up the the O one uh the O one All Star game that was uh Allen Iverson was the MVP. When they were down big in the fourth quarter, Iverson and Stephon Marbury mm-hmm. bring them back. Oh two, Kobe's the MVP. Gets booed in his own city. Mm-hmm. You know, a uh, couple of you know, a couple, couple other ones. Yeah. Mike's la- Mike's last All Star game when he wasn't voted as a starter. But I'm talking about that, these are all games, but I'm talking about games where. Not we're talking about them for the storylines out other than the game. I mean, like we're the ones the where actual, you, game. The actual game, actual game delivered game. on the potential of the talent that's out there. Those are rare because most of them guys are having fun, seeing who could throw the fun, the, yeah. mo- the best oop or shoot from it, the furthest away until for, about halfway yeah. through the third quarter. Yeah. Or so, maybe fourth quarter. Yeah, you, like three and a half quarters of fun, and then all right, mm-hmm. let's let us let us get serious now. Now nah, these these guys actually came to play this year, and the fact that there's a winner to every quarter, I think added to that. Mm-hmm. So so all, all in all, you I think All Star Game was a success. Yes, you like the system, you like this format because people were talking about winning the All Star Game on free throws and things that, like that. I, no, I was coming to that. Because overall, yes, I think it was a success. But I would make one rule change. And that is because we have a target score we're playing to, we're not playing the clock. Once I get the game point, you got to make you foul. If it's a foul call, side out. No free throws at game point. You keep the ball, but it's a side out. Which could create other problems, though, because then why not just keep fouling? You know, mm-hmm. if I'm the defender and I'm down, oh nope, just foul. He he's not getting free throws. Side out. You know, nah, you're not gonna score so, until I could get a stop. I'm just gonna foul. Mm-hmm. So that it that part of it probably needs some. Could you make it so the win- the winning basket has to be a field goal? But that's what I mean. If yeah. the winning basket has to be a field goal, what happens when I foul you? Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. It just keeps going side, and I will foul you mm-hmm. because I know you have to win it with a 
with the you're not getting free throws. Mm-hmm. So if I'm beat, I'm just going to foul you because I want to win. Mm-hmm. And now you got to start all over again because you're not going to make me pay with two free throws. You're not getting those. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's where I mean, like, it takes some. I don't know how you could fix that, but I don't like the game ending on a free throw. Okay. So. I don't know what they can do to fix that, but something has got to be done. Maybe they go to a win by two rule or something. Mm. So, so on uh, grade grade this weekend, you giving it an A? What is your grade for uh, 2020 All Star Weekend? A minus. A minus. Okay. I'm a I'm a tough grader. A, I, I, a, I see that. A minus is a very minus, good score. An A minus from Professor Jonesy is still. That's, uh, oh, that's, you know, a, that's yeah, a great that's, score. That's nothing to sneeze at. I give no curves, mm-hmm. and C's are average. Okay, so we're well above average. All right, take it. All right, look, let's take a real quick break. We'll come back, talk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you got more. Oh, I got more. Okay, all right, we'll take a break and we'll come right back. Offense, defense, and discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. The construction Tims are classic in Philly they and are. New York. They are. Connecticut. James Lewis. I've never been to Connecticut, man. Connecticut, Jersey, you definitely from Uptown, New York. You definitely Manhattan, from New York if you shout it out Connecticut. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, y'all, we are back. Talk some ball. Talked a lot of basketball today. Lots of basketball. But tend to do that. From we 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 got to shift gears a little bit because right. what you got? End of February coming up, and we're in the middle of the month, approaching the end of the month. And with that, you got the NFL Combine coming up. Do you watch that? Yeah, I look at the numbers afterwards. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't need. To, I don't feel the need to watch it mm-hmm. because I'm only watching to get the numbers. Yeah. So I could just look at the numbers after. But I do see the. I do think there's value to it. What about entertainment value or just information? Information. Okay. I think I definitely think there's an informational value to it because they're you know they're they're. You know, they're diehard football guys mm-hmm. who will just watch anything as long as it has something to do with pro football I mean, or NFL football. I mean, if you're not a basketball guy and not everybody is, mm-hmm. or if you're not a hockey guy and not everybody is, mm-hmm. and baseball's not really going yet, mm-hmm. you you want some sport. Yeah. And, if and you're a football guy, and you're, you're still and, and you're still not on the XFL, huh? Who was week two? He's, he's, he's still not with it. I think I might have watched twenty five percent as much as I did in week one. 
So you watched twenty five percent of what you watched in week one, and you said you didn't watch much of week one. I watched about twenty minutes of real time in week one. <laughs> so you watched five minutes of XFL football. <laughs> That's quality math right there. That's public, quality math. Public school education, <laughs> baby. Shout out to North Penn High School. That's right. I did it. That's, but yeah, that. That's, but. With the with the combine coming mm. up, that means you have it's time to really start thinking about where teams are going and what directions they're looking at yeah. at taking their teams this off season. So before we get to, get to the draft, there are some other things happening. Drew Brees just signed his. He, he's coming back to the Saints next year, but. That still leaves you with a nice little list of free agent quarterbacks. Eli's retiring. Tom Brady isn't. Case Keenum's out there. Tannehill's out there. You expect him to st- prob- likely to be in Tennessee again next year. He yeah. had a good run, seemed like a good fit on both sides. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to break the bank, I don't think, in Tennessee. So that could be a good marriage for the for both sides. You've got Marcus Mariota then needing a job. Teddy Bridgewater, who performed admirably in Brett Breeze's absence this year, he's going to look, be looking for a job. Dak Prescott is still unsigned. Likely to get franchised, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Phillip Rivers, who I'm hearing reports – Saying the Colts are the leader in the clubhouse to get retain his services next year, and the newly LASIKed Jason Jameis Winston. That's right, game changer. Oh man, Jameis is going. I to hope play. so. Maybe it was just his vision mm-hmm. and not the fact that he's actually a career dis- bad decision maker. I think he's still a career to de- bad decision maker. But Jameis Winston embarrassed me last year. Because I believed in it. Oh, you remember that conversation we had? Of course I believed it. Of course I remember it. I've been trying to forget it, but no. I, because I he came out. And see, that's the thing. I did. It wasn't that he looked bad. I knew what you were seeing when you be, when you wanted to believe it. Yeah, I, I, and I, it, I, I and, so wanted to believe and it. And he looked great. But he's shown you that before. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He, he His did. talent isn't in question. Look, you started last week's show. With a moment of vulnerability. Yeah, I, we ain't, we ain't doing that this week. I understand. Well, I'm, I'm that's going now. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I'm not. I'm never going to forget that. You know, <laughs> that, that was a highlight of this show. <laughs> but I will say, you know, I was wrong about Jameis Winston. I thought. I, mean, I, I thought I, I thought Bruce Arians would would fix him, and I understand why you had hope. Mm-hmm. I, this is not one where I'm bashing you. Like, what were you looking at? Mm-hmm. What did you, no, I the talent, the physical talent is there. Mm-hmm. Bruce Arians comes in with the reputation of being the quarterback mm-hmm. whisperer. Mm-hmm. Bruce on, Arians was going to come in here and fix this dude. On paper, it looks like it should be a good match. It wasn't. James Winston, you embarrassed me. Man. You know, you know how I talk about like. In basketball, inst- guys' instincts, mm-hmm. same is true for quarterbacks. See, like in pretty much any decision-making position in team sports, instincts are a big factor. Mm-hmm. Now, in 
football, your quarterback's your primary decision maker on, on the field. In basketball, at some point, everybody's a decision maker. Once the ball's in your hands, you're a decision maker. Because you get dribble, pass, shoot, you have multi- multiple reads on every play at every position in basketball. Mm-hmm. So if you're a bad decision maker, you're just a bad decision maker. That that matters. That doesn't change. Yeah. It doesn't change. No matter how skilled you are, a bad decision's a bad decision. It doesn't. So in the case of Jameis Winston, he can absolutely throw five touchdowns, 450 yards in a game and look like one of the best you've ever seen. But that's an aberration. It's not a result of good decision-making, good processing. It's just how things worked out that week, you know? But, yeah. So, we got all these quarterbacks on the market. Are there any of them that you would want? I mean, of course, your your team, our team, yeah, our has team. our quarterback. Yeah. But say Carson Wentz didn't exist. Which one of these guys would you want on your team? You got Winston, Rivers, Prescott, Bridgewater, Mariota, Tannehill, Keenum, and Brady. Well, you know. And age, and age is a factor. Okay, age, age is a factor. But you know history, mm-hmm. and there was a quarterback. There's a quarterback on this list that a lot of people in Philadelphia wanted. You remember hashtag do the deal? Dear. Now we're we're not talking about the coach of the team at that time. We're just talking about the quarterback that we thought would be good for the team at that time. We're I'm glad you said that because you know I was about to get up and walk out. Yeah, you were going to finish the show by yourself. I, wouldn't be the first time. But no, I, I do. <laughs> I would like you to stay. We're not talking about that guy. The worst coach in NFL history. Yes, we're not talking about him. Mm-hmm. We're not. But there was a quarterback during that tenure that we uh, a lot of people wanted. Mariota, Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota. So that that name kind of intrigues me. And if it had been three years ago, that name would intrigue me. But now you're seeing the works. Not so much that his lack of success in Tennessee, but the fact that Tannehill did succeed in Tennessee after being abysmal in Miami. Tells me that Tennessee's system is at least adequate. Mm-hmm. Now let me ha- let, let me ask you. See you what this. I mean? Yeah, I do see what you mean. So uh, now, now I have to now, ask, what's going on with Mariota? So, but let me before we get turn it back to Mariota because you see Tannehill's out. Tannehill is also on the table, mm-hmm. and we both agree more than likely Tennessee will bring him back. Yeah, I, but I don't see how, them letting him yeah. them letting him out of ten. There's no way both of them leave. And honestly, after seeing what Tannehill did, how do you go back to Marcus Mariota? Yeah, you you can't. Yeah, Mariota's exactly. go. So yeah. I see it. Mariota gone. Tannehill yeah. stays in Tennessee. But my question is, and from you watching him, especially in this playoff run, how much of that do you think is overachieving? 
do you feel like they overachieved? Whereas you now let Marcus Mariota walk. And it's, and it's not like the Tennessee Titans were completely horrible under Marcus Mariota. No. They went to the playoffs a couple of times. At what? Nine and seven? No, I mean, I'm, but, but what I'm saying, they were nine and seven this year. I mean, they pulled off some, I mean, they they beat. And, and you know they're not really in a good division, yeah, right? Yeah, And you're, you're nine and seven. Okay. Uh, Once again, not, they were nine and seven this year. Mm-hmm. That, that's my point. That's not. So, it. But what I'm what I'm saying is, but it, they were people, nine and seven this year. But when Tannehill took over, they were a an above five hundred team by a couple games. Mariota's the one who had them in the hole early. So if we're talking about Mariota, I'm like. Eh. And that goes back to what we were saying. Like, it was it's not Mariota's talent, but the fact that Tannehill was able to have such success in this system with this coaching lets me know the coaches know what they're doing at least somewhat. Now I have to wonder, so it's Mariota. I'd be scared to take the chance, mm-hmm. at least as anything more than a backup. Take the chance on Mariota. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. As a starter, I'd be scared to yeah. take the chance. Oh no, no. Both Marcus Mariota and Winston have to go out and win jobs. Now, now, now I'm gonna tell you you're, you're, what kind of situation I'd I'd sign Mariota in. Okay. If I'm Cincinnati, I'd sign Mariota to a two year deal. If I'm you sign Mar- Mariota to a two-year deal, even with Joe Burrow on the table. Mm-hmm. Okay. What as it's kind of a transition, kind of absolutely. In, bring so, Marcus to take the pressure off of Joe Burrow to have to start immediately. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a fake two-year deal. Yeah. It's a one-year deal with mm-hmm. like a, a team option or some funny money on the second year that you know you can cut Kurt, the guy and get Kurt out Warner of Warner with the Giants. Yeah, exactly. Yep, it's right. one of those type mm-hmm. deals. Yeah. So I have the vet guy there. If the rookie comes in and he's not ready to start, I don't have to put the pressure on. You have to be out here immediately. Mm-hmm. But, but if, if you're ready. But if he comes out there and train a camp and he's lighting up the world, yeah. yeah. Bye, my, Marcus. My investment in Mariota is it. Thanks for coming out, Marcus. Yeah, mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. That's kind of situation. My, my, th- my thing is there's no, there's no way either Mariota or Winston are being handed starting jobs now. They got to go into somebody's camp and win a job. Mm-hmm. Now they might try to put themselves in a position where is the best situation but, for them to go out and win a job. And that's why, if I'm one of those guys, I'm thinking about a team like Cincinnati, mm-hmm. where I'm competing against a rookie. And at least, if anything else, that rookie might. A lot of coaches over the last couple of years are at least showing showing a reluctance to throw rookie quarterbacks out there week one. Yeah. So. I at least get maybe eight weeks to show what I can do mm-hmm. if I'm playing well and earning some interest to earn myself a job for next year with a better situation now that I can show I've shown I could be successful outside of that environment I was in before where I struggled. So if I'm one of these guys, I'm Winston, I'm Mariota, I'm looking at the teams that are about to draft rookie quarterbacks this year, mm-hmm. and I'm looking to sign on with one of them. I'm looking at, you know, 
where Burroughs going, where Tua's going, where Herbert's going, and I'm look I'm calling those teams immediately. What can we do? Only need two years. It's really only one year. You know how the NFL only one year. You know how the NFL works. Yeah, yeah. I just want a chance to show what I could do. You need a vet who can get you through at least the first half of the season before mm-hmm. you throw. And then you know if I'm bad, you got the rookie. But the rookie has time to develop. It's it's a win win. Andy Reid has shown that's his model. He did it with McNabb. He did it with Mahomes. Yep. You know, it, most it, rookies aren't ready to start did week it with one. McNabb did it with Mahomes. Was trying to do it with uh, with Kevin Cobb. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, most rookies aren't ready to start week mm-hmm. one. Doesn't mean they won't be ready to play at some point that year. But it's a lot faster. Like the fastest guys you saw in college mm-hmm. is everybody in the NFL. Oh yeah. The biggest, strongest guys game, you saw once or twice, yeah. like that you saw once or twice a week in co- oh, a yeah. year. I'm not a week, a year in college. You see them every week. No, you got whole defenses made of them. Yeah, like everybody in the NFL was all conference, all all league, all. You know, these are the it's all those guys. Cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, it, it it's an adjustment. It's, for that reason alone, I'm a fan of rookie quarterbacks not having the pressure of having to start mm. week one. So, if I'm Jameis, if I'm Mariota, and I'm looking for an opportunity to show what I can do, I'm looking at one of those type teams with the thought of if I have a good showing this year, next year, I can have a really good chance of signing on for a team like Say, what happens if Drew Brees retires next year or mm. Tom Brady retires next year? Now there's good teams with job openings, and they don't have top-of-the-draft picks to draft a quarterback. That's where your ch- chance to cash in is, but you have to make good on this year with the opportunity to play yeah. and show what you've got. So for that, so if, I'm, if it's me and I'm one of those guys mm-hmm. – my pri- my biggest priority, of course, I'm when I'm on the field, I'm trying to win every game. Mm. But when I'm thinking about signing a contract, my biggest priority is it. Oh, I think I want to win a Super Bowl this year. Mm. I'm not 37 years old looking to sign on to somebody's backup just to get a ring. Yeah. These guys aren't at that point in their careers. So give so given that situation, if you're Teddy Bridgewater, do you do do you follow that same approach? No. If you're Teddy, where are you trying to go? Now, if I'm Teddy, the thing is, if if I'm Teddy, I've already had an injury that's cost me, and I've already come back, and he had an opportunity while Breeze was out to show that he could still play, mm-hmm. and he performed admirably in one game. He's at the next step of it now. Like, where I said Winston and Mariota should be next year, mm-hmm. that's where Teddy is now. He should be looking for a team that has a half-decent situation that needs a quarter. Excuse me, that needs a, that could use a quarterback. Mm-hmm. If I'm Teddy Bridgewater, I'm trying to beat Philip Rivers to the Colts. Mm-hmm. That that's what I'm thinking about. If I'm Teddy Teddy Bridgewater, okay. So if the Colts are not an option, say if the Colts go. Because 
Here's the, the thing: you're, you're looking at Philip Rivers, and you know Philip Rivers has an arm. You know, and and Philip Rivers. Kinda, He's also turnover prone yeah. in 30, 37. Seven year, yeah. Whereas Teddy Bridgewater is under thirty and is not turnover prone. Yeah. He's uh, he's just had the horrific injury, but he's but you know but he's definitely also come you, back healthy. But, but you know how this league sometimes kind of romanticizes the name, and I, I understand I've used the word romanticize about four times in this show. It's my it's my vocabulary word of the week. They had Jacoby Brissett, mm-hmm. who was who was supposed to be a backup and is probably best suited at, in the backup, backup role. Had the he's, opportunity. He's, he's solid. Yeah. He's adequate, yeah. but he's not going to take you to the next level. Mm-hmm. He, he's not a top. He's not a top ten quarterback. I I don't think Brissett is going to be threatening to win anybody's Super Bowls anytime soon. So, yeah, the Colts are probably in the QB market. And there's one, they're one of those teams that has a good O line, a couple good weapons, and they're going to be too good most years to draft a, a quarterback because they're not going to have a top five pick. So they've got to get into this market. Now the thing for me, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, Philip Rivers. And I mentioned Philip Rivers. If I'm hearing he's being tied to them, he'd be interested in them. If I'm the Colts, as talented as Rivers is, as impressive as his career numbers are, mm-hmm. he's the guy who's never really been able to get it done, get over the hump through his whole career. Why would I think he's going to do it at this point now? When you think about now, now that all those, with Eli walking away, Mm -hmm. and you remember that that big three of quarterbacks from that year, Eli now walks away with two rings. Mm -hmm. Big Ben has two rings. And And Phillip Rivers has never been to the big game. And he's been to the conference championship Maybe couple, couple times I think once or twice. Once, but we're talking about compared to two other quarterbacks in your draft class who have two Super Bowl wins, mm-hmm. and you're talking. We have to think about how many times he's been to the conference championship, and he never won. But he probably has more impressive stats than both of yeah. them. Yo, Passing yeah, passing yards, yeah. touchdowns. His offense. Like well, yeah, his. his but he, he's turnover he spent, prone. Yeah, he spent an offense predicated on. Throwing the ball around, mm-hmm. so yeah, of course he has more passing yards. <laughs> that is a very good point. The, the mm-hmm. system definitely makes, but that, but I say that to point out why it gets romanticized. Like we we're in a fantasy football world where people, yeah. you know, you're not really, you know, you still, mm-hmm. despite all the access we have, just can't watch every game. So most of our knowledge about a lot of games is like He's watching the stats. Watching the stats. So I see he, he had four touchdowns, three hundred fifty-eight yards, mm. twenty-two or thirty-one. What have I always said about Philip Rivers? Yeah, he might have had that one or two. Mm-hmm. And I'm like four touchdowns, one pick. The stats don't tell me that pick was on the last drive that cost us the game. Mm. Didn't tell me that. Yeah. I just see that we lost by like oh it was a close game. They barely lost. He only had one pick, four touch. You know, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what have I always said about Phillip Rivers? What's that? I asked you. You know what I said. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, say it. 
You hate quoting me. Anyway, <laughs> Phillip Rivers, greatest fantasy quarter, football quarterback of all time. Absolutely. That boy will get you numbers every week for 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 almost mm-hmm. uh, for almost fifteen years. If you have Philip Rivers on your squad, you knew your quarterback was going to get you numbers every week. Absolutely. You win your championship, and you don't care about Philip Rivers anymore. He don't care about football. Well, I should say he don't care about football, but he don't got time to care about football. I got like sixteen kids. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, every day I look. That know, dude I, gets I hear, it done. I, I hear, I hear that that story about that man and all his kids. I look at my four kids. I'm like, I, I, I can't tip my hat to that brother. Uh, well, he can afford help. So yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he can afford. It's, it's a little bit I, different situation. I, I, I surely can. <laughs> yeah, I, I surely can. A little bit different situation. All right, real quick because uh, you know it's, it's getting to that time. Uh, Tom Brady, does he go back to the Patriots? I think he's got to. That's the situation that makes the most sense yeah. to me. I don't that I don't want to see Tom Brady in a uniform that's not the Patriots. I understand that, you know, players like like Joe Montana had a, a level of success. Not the same success in Kansas City that he had in San Francisco. All right. But I I don't I don't and I understand that football is a Football is a sport where you just don't, you know, players just don't finish where they started. But we're talking about a guy that is arguably the greatest of all time. I don't want to see him in a uniform that's not the New England Patriots. I just don't. All right. Now, see, I can't really disagree with anything you just said. It it would feel wrong. NFL is as cold and cutthroat as it no, gets. You're, you're absolutely. I just if Joe Montana can play for the Chiefs mm-hmm. and Peyton Manning can play for the Broncos, Broncos and Brett Favre can play for the Jets and the Vik. If Brett Favre can play for the Vikings, yeah. forget the Jets. He can play for the Vikings, longtime division rival. Tom Brady so, could end yeah. up in another jersey too. It just it. feels wrong. It does, and it's like I hope that plays a part in into it. I, I don't know if it will or not, but like think about Brett Favre in a Vikings uniform. Think about Joe Montana in a Chiefs uniform. Th- and and if and I feel like Tom Brady's the type of guy who's like a who's like a, a story. Mm-hmm. Think about Johnny U in a Chargers uniform. OJ in a Niners uniform. Mm-hmm. Emmett in a Cardinals uniform. I mean, it happened. Jerry Rice in a Broncos Ra- Well, he was he got to a Super Bowl with the Raiders, mm-hmm. but you're still talking about Broncos, Broncos and Seahawks uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh. Bron- Jerry Rice asking Steve Largent, can he wear his number? <laughs> Think about that. I mean, Largent was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah no, but, but what, no disrespect to Steve no, Largent. But what I'm he he saying earned is, getting his number retired. Oh, no, He's no, no. Hall this, of is, this is not a knock against Steve Largent, but this is still like – this is this, this is where you are now. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, you you, you go into a team, you know, you go into a team where you're you're clearly at the end. Oh, absolutely. You know, Jerry, you know, Jerry Rice it's is like, at like, the end. It's like Jordan in the Wizards uniform. Yeah, and that was painful. Mm-hmm. That was painful. You know, it, it's just it. I I hope that plays a part into it. I right. hope that at some point in time, you know, like either he can come back to the. You can come back to the Patriots and have that swan song. You know, I it, it says something, you know, 
Ray Lewis finishing with the Ravens. All right. You know. Now, I know we got to get out of here soon, JB. Yeah. So, I just would we're not even going to get into this. Mm-hmm. I just want to give you something to think about. Oh, boy. All right. For next time. Okay. Philip Dorsett, Danny Amendola, Brashad Perriman, Randall Cobb, Robbie Anderson, Emmanuel Sanders, A.J. Green, Amari Cooper. We just talked free agent quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. That's the list of free agent wide receivers. Now we got to get out of here. Go ahead and take us home, JV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter, and that's it. O underscore D underscore discourse. That is how you find us. That is how you talk to both of us. If you want to talk to us individually, yeah, you know, you can hit Jonesy underscore LJR. That's it. And you can hit me up at JLB from DVM. I'm on Twitter. But uh, I'm everywhere. You are everywhere because you Mike Jones. Mm -hmm. Jonesy LJR, Jonesy underscore LJR, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. That's all of it. I respect it. I respect people who have the same handle for all their social media. I cannot stand when somebody has when somebody's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and got something different for everyone. You're you're you're, you're asking. You might as well just be saying, "Hey Brown, hey don't don't follow me." Exactly. Pick one, you know, and and I'll probably pick the one that you use the least. Like Facebook, find my name. The yeah. rest of them is Jonesy underscore LJR. Yeah, you at me. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right, look, man. Enjoy sports this weekend. Uh, I will. You uh, in the fight this weekend? Oh, uh, there is a heavyweight fight this oh, weekend. Oh yeah, we Wilder Fury. Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go. How oh, I'm in. Oh yeah. You watch? Sure. You watch? You in on that when you watch it? Yeah, I'm, I hope so. Then we're talking boxing next week. Got you. That's a bet. We need to tap on that. There you go. All right, you guys have a great week, and we'll be back next week on offense, defense, and discourse. You feel this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio.